your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Now 17 on the shot clock remaining. They're running some stuff. The kick out and the jump shot. Lakes got it. Holy cow. Trevor Lakes with four threes on four attempts. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Tim Curran. Wow, great to be back with you, and I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. First show for me since December 16th. Been a while since I've been able to sit and chat with everybody. Tim Curran, I hope you had a good Christmas celebration. I did, thank you. Um, I got a lot of new warm clothes uh, as we enter the dark winter period. Uh, I'm at the age now where I no longer receive uh, interesting gifts, though I'm thankful for all of them, uh, but I do have a brand new wardrobe, actually much needed, so uh, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for the holiday period. Hope you had a good one as well. Yeah, I did. I got some clothes. I got I got a new phone case. Oh, hey, hey. Needed, needed a new phone case, so, I mean, that was that was cool. I'm like, yeah, I mean, look great. at that. About ready to, the other one's about ready to break apart, so that's cool. Got, got that thing, <laughs> so I got that bad boy wrapped up nice. Yeah, well, the best gifts, you know, we, we give to ourselves. I'm at the age now, um, you know, believe it or not, you and I, we get paid to yap about sports. Uh, it's not a bad living, uh, so I get a, I get to gift myself some nice things, and the, the, the parents and the and the other extended family fill in the gaps with, with clothes and socks and other, other goodies, so to speak. So uh, I give myself a nice uh, Christmas gift of a PlayStation 5, so that, that's the best Christmas gift. Uh, thank you, me. Uh, it was a very thoughtful gift to myself. <laughs> I, I don't know about for you, but for me, it was an odd holiday season mm. because of COVID. We didn't get our big group together. We kept it small, so we didn't get to see a lot of the people. We did a Zoom. We did a family Zoom, but that, that's just, I mean, I, it just was odd for me. I hope I, I hope by 12 months from now, we're back to where we can get people together in the same room and not have to worry about spreading the virus. Yeah, I mean it's it's a weird time, uh, but you know we're gonna get through it. Hope we, you know, I think some lights at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, uh, vaccine on the way. So uh, very excited about that. Um, but yeah, you're right. A little bittersweet, but uh, the holidays are always nice, even if you only get to talk to family over Zoom. Probably had a few too many Zoom calls uh, than anyone would have yeah. anticipated this year, but uh, it's all right. We'll take it. We've had a bunch. I, you know, I'm still I'm still on the fence whether I'm going to take the vaccine. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm still on the fence. Probably will, but. Not I've not been a big vaccine guy my whole life, so I'm so far down the line. I don't think I I'm not even thinking about it yet. You know, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm like you probably, probably have... number three hundred million out of out of the whole queue. I'm I'm kind of towards the back. Oh, I don't know if you're that low. No, okay. Well, you're I mean, that low. Guess you're as good as mine. Yeah, twenties. So you you probably have to make the decision by March whether you're going to okay. do it or not. So you right. have some time to, time to do that. But, yeah, since December 16th, since I've been a party, a lot, a lot has happened and a lot is going to happen. Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal-Star, is going to be here in a couple of minutes. He had a really good piece over the weekend in the Journal-Star about what's going to be a really, really newsworthy offseason for Husker football. There's a lot of things moving parts to this because of the ability for the seniors on this year's football team to come back uh, or not. And then how's that going to work into roster management and all those type of things? In fact, we had news about that today. Jack Stoll announcing that he will not take advantage of that extra year. The NCAA is allowing him. He's ready to move on. He's graduated. 
This was his fifth year in the program, and he wants to give it a go in the NFL. Bo Wilson uh, late last week announced that he was putting his name in the transfer portal. He was another one of those 17 seniors that were honored before the Minnesota game a couple of weeks ago at Memorial Stadium. So Parker's going to bring all that in. Tim, I, I wasn't surprised by either one of those. Had a feeling Jack Stoll was probably done with college football and ready to either go give it a go with pro football or get on with life. Bo Wilson, I think, sees a lot of young guys along that offensive line that are playing a lot. I think he'd like to get a season of being another full-time starter and probably felt like, I don't think that's going to be here. And so he leaves. Maybe you were, but I I was not surprised by either one of those decisions. No, and especially not with Jack Stoll. I mean, you look at the tight end room. It's already completely stacked. you got Travis Vokalek Mm -hmm. and Kurt Raftall, not only to mention uh, Thomas Fedone coming in out of Council Bluffs. And plus with the the log jam of of kind of recruits coming in, uh, with everyone getting an extra year of eligibility, that also kind of exacerbates the issue. So um, there's a lot of tough choices. And I know that, you know, I was listening to some talk radio earlier today, and they got kind of into a, uh, you know, kids these days <laughs> type extended segment, and that you know that might actually play a part of it as well. Um, but but again, I, I just think that this is such an unprecedented year. Uh, there are so many kids coming in. There's so many roster spots. Uh, you know th- that are kind of you know available that you know it just seems to me that you got to make the best decision for you and if you're jack stoll if you're bo wilson and there's a lot of guys in that stable behind you Mm -hmm. you got to kind of make the decision that's best for you if you know that there's someone kind of nipping at your heels and there's a lot of guys in that room that could overtake you uh i kind of understand where they're coming from so it's a decision that you know disappointing for for husker fans you obviously want to keep as many guys as you can but uh you know hey listen it's a big stable of guys there's plenty of talent in the pike and um and at at the end of the day it's not the worst decision. We need to have like we need to keep like a tally back in the control room. Put everybody, put all seventeen of those names up and track this as we go. We know Hymas is obviously gone. He opted out of the last game to get ready for the draft, so he's off the he's off the list. Colin Miller is retiring from football due to doctor's orders. He's off the list now. Bo Wilson, Jack Stoll, but and, and Tim, you're much closer to this than I am. But I just remember. My senior year of college, I was ready for college to be over. I was ready for that chapter mm-hmm. to close and move on to something else. And I can't blame these guys for saying, yeah, I, I'm ready to do something different with my life. This has been a blast. I've had fun, but I'm ready to do something else. Especially now. I mean, it, this year, especially when you're, you're a lot of the, the friends and people that you would have been close to, um, you know, are, maybe they're not on campus. Maybe you're not really allowed to see them. You've got to, you're in your own bubble environment. And so you kind of have that you know, social isolation feel uh, to an extent. And it's such an unprecedented year. You're right. I, I think these guys are ready to kind of close the book, so to speak. Um, you don't want to kind of feel like you're on that treadmill. I mean, a, a year is, a, you know, it's it's a r- relatively long time. I mean, you, you try to try to project out what does the situation look like in the fall? Well, we can kind of predict, but we don't really know. And so uh, I don't really blame anyone for kind of, you know, counting their chips and saying, okay, hey, listen, I, you know, I weigh this, weigh that, and, and, and close the book on, on this chapter. Uh, you're right. I mean, the, you know, Jack Stoll's had a heck of a run. He's given a lot to this program. And uh, same with Bo Wilson. Um, so I, I don't blame either of those guys, uh, you know, for, for bowing out right now. I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of things that they have to take care of. And, and yeah, again, it's, it's, it's a tough decision. But it's one that uh, they, they didn't take lightly and, uh, you know, t- tough to really blame them. It's a, it was a tough decision, but it makes sense. Yeah, we'll do that. Austin, we'll put together a Google Doc and put together the 17 names and just start tracking that as we go. My over-under 
is about seven are going to come back. That's my over-under. That's just under 50% are going to come back. And right now we got none that are coming back. The ones we know of have all left. And I think it's it's going to pile up. I, I, it may be under seven, but I'm going to set it at seven. So we'll continue to follow that. Jack stole the latest today. Minnesota got great news today. As Mo Ibrahim has said, he's coming back next year for them. That is a huge get. He was the top back in the Big Ten Conference this year. Was tremendous. Got nicked up a little bit in the Nebraska game, but still fought his way for a 100-yard rushing game against the Cornhuskers. That was a huge get for P.J. Fleck to keep him and get his services for one more year. So I'm sure they're celebrating in the Twin Cities to get Ibrahim back for one more year of college football. All these decisions are going to be made in the next three weeks, and that's part of what Parker wrote about yesterday, and we're going to have him on here in a couple of minutes about there's just going to be a lot of this news trickling out day by day as we get closer to the deadline for these guys to declare for the NFL draft and also for people to say they're coming back to get into the the second semester of school, which starts on the 25th of January. So that's, that's still over about almost a month away. But all that all those decisions need to be made by these guys in the coming weeks. How about Iowa and Missouri canceling the Music City Bowl yesterday? That was supposed to be contested on Wednesday. A bad outbreak apparently in Columbia for the Tigers. And, and they can't field a team for the bowl game. Too late to try to find a new opponent for the Hawkeyes. So Iowa misses their last game, that Week 9 game, with, which was to be against Michigan. And now they don't get a bowl game. I'm sure they're, they're really disappointed, I think, over in Iowa City. Right. And, and Iowa's had one of the stranger seasons, I think, uh, this year. I mean, you look at all the offseason turmoil they had. Um, and then they, they started, I believe, the year 0-2. And, and then they rattle off a, a, a bunch of wins yep. uh, in a row. Yeah, six straight. So, um, you know, the, they wanted to keep that momentum going. And that's actually kind of an intriguing match at Missouri, um, you know, under, under Drinkwitz has, has been interesting this season. So um, really disappointed to see that that game canceled. And, and that kind of goes back to um, – uh, Greg, when, when Nebraska decided not to not to play, I think that that was part of the consideration. I know a lot of Husker fans were upset, um, understandably, not to see more Nebraska football. But you think about uh, you know the toll that it takes when you've got all the COVID preparations you got to do. Uh, you got to travel halfway across the country, and it was probably only going to be like a week, week and a half of preparation, and then you could do all that, and the game gets canned maybe uh, forty eight hours in advance. So um, I, I totally understand uh, the, the decisions that that have to be made around this time and. Uh, it, it's been a just a bizarre year in college football and bowl season. I mean, this is the weirdest bowl season. Um, I, I know games have been canceled before, um, but but this year, obviously, uh, uh, I, I, you're probably looking at less than half of the normal slate you'd have uh, of bowl games. So, um, you know, kind of disappointing to see that happen, but it's understandable. You you, you want to make sure everyone's safe, and um, it's a, it's a matchup I definitely wanted to watch. Uh, but hey, uh, it, it is what it is. But yeah, the Hawkeyes the, they had a kind of an interesting, intriguing season, really. Sure did. And you're right. I was looking forward to that that game. Iowa was a huge favorite, which that's not really the way they play to beat people by big margins, but they were like a two-touchdown favorite in that game. Buckle up and put the phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Hour number two tonight, Fred Hoiberg will be here. It's our Husker basketball show for the week. The Big Red now into the thick of it, into conference play. It's all conference play from here on. And, man, this league, Austin had it in the ticker. Nine teams now ranked in the Big Ten. Nebraska put up a pretty decent fight, Tim, on Christmas Day against Michigan uh, right there at halftime. But second halves have been a problem for this team. We're certainly going to talk about that with Coach Hoiberg in hour number two. But you got to play 40 minutes if you're going to beat any of these teams in this conference right now. This league is just unbelievably good. 
Right. And it's kind of the same conversation we have with the football team is, is needing to string together complete performances. You know, uh, you, you have one half where, you know, Teddy Allen, the coming the first half had literally oh. all of Nebraska's points, save for one, two or three points. Uh, and then Troy McGowan's came up huge in the second, but then Teddy Allen went cold. And so, uh, what you really have with Nebraska are three players that really generate the bulk of the offense. You got Delano Banton, Trey McGowan's and Teddy Allen. Um, and when they're all three cooking, Nebraska looks pretty good. Uh, the problem is they're not all cooking at the same time a lot of the time. So um, when you're going against a conference that is this strong, uh, even a team like Northwestern, 3-0 and in the conference, uh, you know, if you told me that you saw that coming, uh, I would have called you a, a liar. <laughs> so I, I just it's, it's going to be really, really difficult. Uh, they're going to have to scrap and claw their ways to some wins. But I, I think they'll get there. This, this team is obviously more talented than last year's teams. I think Coach Hoiberg um, ha- has said as much. Um, and with Derek Walker, he'll, he'll be eligible relatively soon here. I think he's got just a sit out Ohio State, and I think he might be ready shortly thereafter. So, um, you know, they're going to get a little bit more firepower, hopefully, uh, here soon. Um, and again, I think it's just a matter of putting together a complete performance. Some of those dry spells, like they, they happened um, under Tim Miles' staff, uh, th- those are devastating. Um, you know, they're going to happen in college basketball. We understand that. Uh, if team plays half court, they try to slow things down. Uh, you're going to have some empty possession with turnovers. So just limiting turnovers, um, trying to find uh, open men in the basket, not, not taking contested shots, uh, just some simple, efficient options Nebraska has to try and to, to, to come up uh, empty less. Uh, that's going to do some, some huge, uh, that's going to be a huge boom for Nebraska. And I, I think they're, they're this close. It, it, they're almost there. Two more ranked teams this week. The Buckeyes on the road Wednesday and then home Saturday night to take on Sparty. Michigan State, you talked about Northwestern being 3-0 and and what a surprise that is. How about Michigan State's 0-2? They lost, they lost to Northwestern and then got beat by Wisconsin over the weekend. They're in action later tonight against Minnesota, who's also off to a good start as well. Marcus Carr playing terrific basketball up in the Twin Cities for Rick Pitino. Uh, Richard Patino and that Gopher team. Delighted to be joined now by Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, hope you had a happy holiday season, Parker. Hope uh, hope Santa Claus found you somewhere. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Same to you, uh, Greg. My, you know, Santa Claus. I don't know how this happens as you get older, but somehow uh, Santa did indeed find you. <laughs> good for you. You deserved it. You had a good year. Uh, you know, we just we just finished a football season, Parker. That was. Unlike any other, I think we're going to have an offseason unlike any other with the, yeah. the transfer portal picking up steam and the ability for these guys to get an extra year of eligibility. You kind of penned that type of piece uh, over the weekend in the Journal Star. Uh, it's going to be crazy, isn't it, The next, particularly the next several weeks? Yeah, it is. It is. And then, you know, the thing is, I think a lot of – we've spent a lot of 2020, just generally speaking, college football and otherwise – thinking a lot about the short term, you know, the next day, the next week, what's going to happen just sort of over the next hill. But this is really, I think it's going to affect college football for a long time, uh, the fallout of these rules. And the first thing, you know, we're starting to see senior decisions sort of trickle in. And the rule for 2021 in and of itself is pretty simple. You get 85 scholarships plus uh, however many seniors want to return. And so, that part of it isn't so complicated. It's how those spots, it's your roster management sort of beyond next year. And then simultaneously, like you said, just the proliferation of transfers in college football, it's really taken off. There's more and more seemingly every year. And we're running into a situation already in which there's a lot more 
kids transferring than there are scholarships available around the country, uh, which I think it's going to lead to a reckoning at some point in terms of, you know, kids not having a place to play. But I don't know when we're going to hit that. If it's going to be, you know, I mean, a lot of the kids in the portal now are going to have a fine, have a hard, have a tough time finding a place to play next year. So I think that'll be on us sooner rather than later, but it's really, it's going to be sort of like the wild, wild west, I think, for the next few weeks and, and frankly, for the next few months. Yeah. What's the, what's the, is there a deadline for these seniors? Obviously, I know there's a deadline to declare for the draft, but just if you to declare whether you're coming back or not, is, is there a drop dead date as far as you know? Yeah. So my best understanding of the rule is that, um, the deadline, the early entrance deadline, which I believe is January 17th or thereabouts, is the deadline for the, for seniors to determine whether they're going to return to school or not. I really think, you know, I think the NBA has come a long way in allowing kids to sort of, you know, dip their toe more fully in the in the draft process and then return to school. I think it would be great if the, if the seniors in particular, but college football players in general, had the opportunity to go a little bit further into the process and a little bit further into the spring, especially this year, um, to really get a better and more accurate read on where their pro stock is before having to make a final decision. But that's just not the case as far as I understand it with the NCAA right now. So I'm operating, and I think the Nebraska seniors, for the most part, are operating under the assumption that their decision needs to be finalized uh, by the early entrant deadline, which is January 17th. All right, very good. Yeah, I'm with you about I wish the NF- NFL would model the NBA and give guys a chance to go maybe an extra month, go get go get some evaluations back. And I know they get some evaluations now, but I, I'm with you. I'd like to yeah. see that step taken. Parker Gabriel is with us from the Lincoln Journal-Star here on Sports Nightly. What did you make of the team opting not to participate in a bowl game? Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, honestly. I mean, I think the fact that so many teams arrived at the same conclusion probably tells you about um, how how difficult the the year was. And I think it's easy for fans and even us as you know reporters or observers to sort of brush over the fact that some of these guys have been back on campus since April. You know, it's not like a normal year where you show up in late July and you get ready to go. I mean, there some of these guys were on campus for almost five months before they ever played a game. And so I get it. I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't opt to play. And then, then everyone, like, then there's a reminder too the other way. Like imagine if you were, if you were a player on Iowa where you did everything right and you practiced for 10 days after your season ended and then the rug got pulled from under you at the last minute because somebody else didn't do a good enough job with their COVID protocol. And so, again, when you're – these guys have been living a sort of a day-to-day existence. You know, you wake up on Sunday every week and you're not 100% sure you're going to play the next week. I can I can understand why that was a difficult uh, sell for getting ready to go for another week or another 10 days. And all of that said, I still – sort of thought when we all left New Jersey on, on the 19th, I sort of thought that there would be another game on the schedule. Yeah. Again, Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star with us here on Sports Sportsani, wrote a great piece over the weekend about the coming weeks and months for Husker football. Uh, summarize that a little bit for us, what you, what you put down for people who maybe haven't read your piece yet. 
yeah, there's just there's just a lot going on. It's sort of it's that time of the year that I, I find so interesting. You know, my favorite time of the year, obviously, is the season. I mean, the reason why we watch football and cover football and write about football is because of games. But I really find the program uh, ins and outs of the off season very interesting. This is obviously a busy time. You've got five spots left in the 2021 recruiting class uh, to fill. That'll probably be a combination of high school players. Uh, the next signing date is in early February. Probably a couple, maybe two or three of those five will be used in the transfer market. So you can use those anytime between now and, and the beginning of next season. At the same time, you know, you always wonder if the coaching staff's going to stay wholly intact. That just doesn't seem to happen very often in this day and age. Um, the past two years, the coaching movement that Nebraska's had has come pretty well into January or even in February with Mike Dawson uh, two years ago because that's when the NFL job came open. So you've got that going on. Uh, you've got early enrollees showing up on campus, 13 of them, about January 20th uh, to get going, you know, in winter conditioning. And then you start to line up, you know, count the weeks until spring ball and, and – all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be mid-March and they're going to be rolling uh, before you know it. So just a lot of difference. And then you've got the transfer portal, right? I mean, we haven't seen any underclassmen so far uh, hit the transfer portal for Nebraska, but that's coming at some point. It's just inevitable. And so, uh, you know, you've just got a lot. This is the time of year where your personnel, players, coaches, staff is probably most in flux. And then at the same time, you're sort of charting your course uh, towards spring ball. Yeah, I mean, we, we heard the stole news today. I really think it's going to be a slow trickle. I think it's going to be something almost every day that we learn about somebody not coming back, somebody, somebody opting to come back, somebody opting to go somewhere else, get in the portal. Uh, I think it's just going to be crazy. It's going to keep guys like you and me busy. I mean, it's going to be crazy for the next few months, and that's why bringing it full circle, I think it's going to be the most unusual offseason that any of us have ever had to cover. All right, uh, big New Year's Eve plans. Are you a big New Year's Eve guy, or do you, are you kind of a low-key fellow on New Year's Eve? I'm, I'm a pretty low-key fellow on New Year's Eve, especially this year. Um, so, no, I'm, I uh, I did not. I'm, I'm, I was uh, away from the family on Christmas um, just, I, just because guys like you and me, sometimes schedules are in flux. And then uh, so hopefully I'm going to get to spend New Year's Eve with a little bit of family, not much, obviously, given all the circumstances. But uh, – that's the plan as of now, and then we'll just see um, we'll just see what the the beginning stages of the college football offseason have in store for us. Very good, Parker. Great piece over the weekend. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll we'll leave you alone for a little while. Happy New Year to you. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad to come on anytime. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Now 17 on the shot clock remaining. They're running some stuff. The kick out and the jump shot. Lakes got it. Holy cow. Trevor Lakes with four threes on four attempts. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. 13 to 7. Nebraska up by a half dozen. Seven minutes left in the half. Here's Allen. Another three ball. Got it. Dagger up top left side. Kelly Allen. Allen with two threes in this game, and that was huge. It gives Nebraska the nine-point lead, Jake. With the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. With the balls, Teddy Allen shoots an NBA three. Got it! Bang! A ring! Teddy Allen with a trio. And with 2.35 to go in the first half, Nebraska's up 32-29. to 
Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our weekly sit-down with the head coach of the Cornhuskers. You want to be a part of the program here, the numbers 531-500-4686. That operates not only as our phone number, but also our text line, our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers' U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Nebraska will be in action twice this week, Wednesday night in Columbus against the Ohio State Buckeyes and then home Saturday night to take on the Spartans of Michigan State. And joining us now is the head coach of the Cornhuskers. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Hope you had a chance to hang out with the family a little bit over the last couple of days, Coach. Well, you you as well, Greg. Hope you had a hope you had a nice Christmas with your family. It was it's it's always great celebrating. My uh, my daughter Ashley's been working from home for the last month. Uh, she works for the Big Ten Network, lives in Chicago, uh, but they they've been working remotely pretty much since everything began back in March. So it was great to have her back. Um, it'd be good to see Jack next week when uh, when Michigan State rolls into town. Uh, but yeah, after you know tough loss to Michigan, I thought we had some good moments in that game. Just uh, that first stretch, the beginning of the second half, uh, was the key stretch in losing that one. But you know, to go home and, and have a nice meal uh, with the family, and then getting back to work right uh, back at it on the 26th, we got our guys uh, back together, had a cleanup day, had to take yesterday off by rule, and uh, had a good hard physical practice back at it today. So, you know, it, it is you, you got to kind of get away from it when you can. It's hard, uh, you know, especially when you're going through a tough stretch like we are now, uh, but you have to. You have to find a way to get some type of outlet just to keep your sanity. Uh, so it was nice to have that uh, Christmas night after after the game that afternoon. Two-part question here. In a year unlike any other year we've had, you didn't get a chance to send the guys home for a few days like you normally do around Christmas. How tough was that on them, do you think? And two, what do you think about playing on Christmas Day? Yeah, it, it is. It is tough. There's there's no doubt about it. For most of these guys, it's really their first time away from their families on Christmas. And, you know, to I think it was a good idea f- from the Big Ten. And we talked about it as coaches. We were doing weekly uh, Zoom calls and we talked about if our guys couldn't go home uh, to see if we could play on Christmas Day. And this was before the NBA had started their season. So we really thought we would be the only games uh, thinking that they would take a little bit longer break and not start the NBA season until the new year. Uh, they did obviously start, had four games, uh, but you know our guys were excited to play on Christmas Day. Growing up, that's what they watched. They watched the NBA on Christmas Day. And you know to get the opportunity to go out there and play, I thought was good for them, as opposed to sitting in their apartment uh, with nothing to do without their families. So, you know, I, I did think it was a good idea to, uh, to get out and play, uh, that day. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the win. Uh, but, uh, I, I did think our guys enjoyed competing, the opportunity to compete, uh, on Christmas day. Coach, you alluded to it earlier that the second halves have been a problem the last couple of weeks, couple of games that you have played. I'm sure you and the staff have done a deep dive into that. Do you see any commonality or is it just something different each game? Yeah, it, that has been a theme for us, Greg, and we have to fix it, obviously, if we want to start having a chance to win games at the end. And we've still been pretty much right there. Uh, you know, when you look at this last game against Michigan, you know, they come out and it's six in a row and eight out of ten to start the second half. And now you're climbing out of that hole, which we did. We cut that thing back to three, I believe it was. And, you know, it takes a lot of energy to climb out of that. And, you know, we got it back to a competitive 
uh, game. And then they went on another run, and then and then it was uh, you know that kind of eight to twelve the rest of the game. But you know it, it it's just something we got to have much better mental toughness in the second half when we hit a tough stretch when we hit a little adversity we're handling it well in the first half and then the second half when a team goes on a run uh that's when we try to go either play hero ball or we go down and don't have the movement that we need uh and that's been a huge emphasis for us in practice uh but until we fix it in a game uh you know it really it's been all for naught to this point so we have to find a way to stay mentally tough through those tough stretches. Uh, you know, the teams that are getting it done right now, you know, you look at these, you know, you look at Wisconsin, what they're doing. Uh, you know, they kept their poise. They got an old team that's been together. You look at what Northwestern's doing right now, winning close games. You know, they have that confidence to where they stick with what they're doing and what had been working, and they're finding a way to close out close ones. That's a huge confidence boost when you can do that. Uh, you know, you look at Minnesota with a, a huge win in overtime against Iowa uh, the other day. But, you know, a lot of these teams have continuity and they've been together and they're, and they're going through it, uh, you know, situations that they've been through before. You know, we have, uh, you know, you look at our numbers, almost 90% of our scoring is from our newcomers, 80% of our rebounding, 85% of our assists are all from our new players. These are new situations that we're being put in. Now, you can't use that excuse for long. We have to find a way to get better, uh, to, uh, to handle it well, to find a way to get a win so we can get some of that confidence and get some of that swagger and know uh, that what we're doing works and, and, and get, get it behind us and hopefully uh, go on a little bit of a streak. But, you know, it's, it's tough, Greg. I mean, you look at today, you just heard it in the update, nine ranked teams in the Big Ten for the first time in history. We're starting out our conference play with four ranked teams. Uh, you know, it, it's it's tough, but we got to find a way because we certainly show we're capable for big stretches of the game. Uh, but we have to put a complete 40 minute game together. Pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, 20 impressive. minutes 20 the other minutes. day for Teddy Allen, wasn't it? Yeah, he was he was unbelievable offensively in that first half and, you know, really just carried the load for us. And I thought our guys did a really good job of finding him. And a lot of it was within the flow uh, of what we do in our system. Uh, you know, a couple of them in transition. He got the ball off the board a few times and led the, the break and got a drag screen where he got to the rim, uh, got fouled shooting a three, um, you know, and then he just made a couple unbelievable individual plays. And then, you know, like I said, in the second half, when we needed to execute, we did not do a good job of that. And as I said after the game, that's on me. Uh, I have to get us uh, into a better uh, execution package uh, that we can go out there and Run and move the ball as opposed to coming down and shoot, shooting a quick one and trying to get it all back at once. Uh, you know, I think we've been guilty of that in, in some of the stretches that we've had where the game has gone from, you know, tied to down 10 or down four to down 15. Uh, you know, those have been the common themes of why things have gotten out of control is we're just not trusting enough on the offensive end right now. And when the ball goes through the hoop, it's just, you know, it's the way this game is that defensive energy always picks up, is always better. Uh, so, you know, we're going to – I still believe absolutely in these guys. They believe in each other. Uh, you know, we sat in the film room the other day and talked for about 40 minutes, just me and the team, and, you know, talked about the things that we can all do better, uh, you know, me included in that. So, you know, today was a good day. Tomorrow we get another opportunity before we head to Columbus, and now it's about putting everything together when we're in between those lines uh, for 40 minutes and put together a complete game. 
head coach is with us until the top of the hour. If you want to be a part of the program via call or text, 531-500-4686. Let's go to the phones first up to Sioux City and Scott. Good evening, Scott. You're up with the head coach. Good evening, guys. Good evening, coach. Hello, Scott. How are you? I'm good. Tremendously happy to have you and your staff at Nebraska. Um, everybody, everybody already knows what a tough, uh, tough go it is in the Big Ten. Um, our guys are hanging in the first half, and we're finding out deficiencies from what I see. Um, if I can offer two cents, I, I would say, and I'm sure it's something that you guys have already gone over with a fine-tooth comb, and that's to get the guys themselves to identify um, what they need to do better. And if uh, our best free throw shooter is an 82% free throw shooter, he needs to set an example and work his ass off to become an 83% free throw shooter so that the guy that's shooting 62% can can work his tail off to get up to 68%. But uh, hopefully Ivan will struggle less as the season goes on and, and be more of a scoring threat on the inside. But um, those plays happen so fast, and there's always so many bodies in there that it, it's hard to it's hard to get it done. But some guys just have better feel for it. Um, I know things are going to get better. Glad to have you with us. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate the call. And, you know, I think Ivan has uh, played his best games as of late. I believe the last three games he's averaging almost nine points uh, per game as opposed to the previous, uh, uh, what have we played, se- uh, six games where he averaged just over three points and shot up, I think, 30%. He's up around 70% in his last uh, three games, so he he's getting better. He had a he had a very good free throw shooting game the game before last, and then you know goes over three in the last one. And you know Ivan gets a little quick, and that's something we work on, obviously every day with our guys. Uh, you know, in, in individual skill work, uh, you know, especially with Ivan is his tempo, and when he gets quick, uh, he leans to his left a little bit, and, and that's where he gets a little bit short with his shot. So. Uh, you know, it, it, so much of free throw shooting is about confidence. If we can go out and knock him down early, Teddy knocked down all three of his, which was great to see. Teddy was almost a 90% free throw shooter a year ago at, uh, at Western Nebraska. And, you know, for whatever reason, it's just, you know, he's gotten off to a tough start. Uh, and you can, you know, make him in practice and simulate him in practice as much as you want and punish him and make him run, which we do. If we, tur- we chart turnovers and we run for our turnovers and I let him knock them off if we uh, it can make free throws. So, you know, you just try to make them as game-like as possible. We shoot a lot, obviously, in scrimmages uh, that we have. Uh, so, you know, we have guys right now that have historically been good free throw shooters, whether it's in high school or whether it's been from their previous spot. Uh, we just got to go out and hopefully get on a good streak. And, you know, even look at that Wisconsin game. We missed nine. They make all 15 of theirs. That's huge. That's a huge difference when you leave nine free points out there and they make all theirs. And it can be a little deflating at times as well for your guys when you have that discrepancy in at the line. So, you know, it is something we work on. I promise you that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get our percentage at least over 70 percent here soon. Scott, appreciate the call. Buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. John in Omaha had a similar question about Ivan and finishing at the rim. Wyatt on our text line and Alma says, Coach, how do you go about defending these big, tall seven-footers in this league when you don't have that type of size or player yourself? 
Well, I thought we did a really good job with our with our double team scheme against Wisconsin early in the game. Our rotations were phenomenal. They were crisp. They were right there. We were taking away the shot. Uh, you know, I think they had three points with, with just over 10 minutes to play in the half. And then we missed a couple of them in the second half. And, you know, again, when the ball stopped going in the hoop, I just didn't think the energy was quite what it was early in that game. But, you know, we're going to have to get creative with our defensive schemes, you know, as far as our double teams, where we come from, who we're coming off of, who we're going to rotate to, who we're going to stunt to, uh, and, and really follow the game plan and have game plan discipline. So, uh, you know, Ivan does give us a big physical body. There's certain guys we will allow him to play one on one, but we do have different double team schemes that I thought we executed for the most part very well uh, in that game against Wisconsin. We had some good ones early against Michigan as well. Since we last spoke, you've added a big body in Eduardo Andre. How have you assessed his play in just a couple of games now? Yeah, you know, it, it was so unfortunate when when Eduardo uh, got sick. He he was really, really coming on. He was in great shape. And then with the rule in the Big Ten, basically you sit out for 21 days. And the return to play protocol is very careful, which it should be, you know, with some of the things that happened with this virus. So, you know, as he has gotten himself uh, back into shape, uh, you know, I thought he gave us really good quality minutes in the first half against Michigan. I thought second half he got a little tired you know, the first couple times up and down the floor, you're seeing the same thing with Trevor. It's just impossible to simulate game action in practice or on a treadmill or on a bike. Uh, so, you know, it's going to take those two a little time to, uh, you know, to get their timing. And, you know, you're going to add Derek Walker to the mix here in a couple games. He sits for two more and then he'll be eligible to play in the game at Purdue, which will be great. Another experienced big body uh, that finishes very well. Uh, at the rim. He'll definitely help us on the inside you know, with his finishing and scoring ability. So, you know, we're excited to get him back. But as far as Eduardo is concerned, Greg, he's he's got a chance to be special. He's, you know, been playing basketball for only about four years, four or five years. Uh, so he's still got a ways to go, but the kid works his tail off. He's done a great job in the weight room. He does extra sprints. Uh, every day he's getting in there working on his fi- finishing, uh, you know, 30 minutes before practice uh, every morning. And, you know, he's he's going to continue to get better and better. But, you know, he's got that length as a seven footer with a seven five wingspan. And as he continues to get stronger and gets gets used to playing as these big physical bodies in the Big Ten, uh, you know, he's going to give us good quality minutes this year. That's for sure. Are you playing as fast as you would like or wh- where do you feel like your your possessions per game are at right now? Well, our, our, our pace numbers are, are, are high. Uh, you know, we, we need to play, in my opinion, in, as we've talked about with our group, we, ha- we have got to play, obviously, smarter for 40 minutes, Greg. And, and that's something where, you know, when I look back at our system and, you know, when we had great success in my previous stop, you know, we were always a very high assist team. We led the nation in assists. And, you know, we're not doing that right now. We had six assists in our last game, and that's – you know, it, it's just, it's not good enough, Greg. You, you have to have movement and, uh, you know, you can't just go out and we can't do it individually. And as I, as I said, after that game, I got to do a better job of getting us into more of those movement sets and movement actions. Uh, so, you know, the pace numbers from just a straight number standpoint have been pretty solid. have been pretty good, uh, you know, but at times I look out there and I don't think we're playing nearly fast enough. Uh, you know, going into a dribble handoff with a with a guy in the corner when the big is lagging behind the play. We need to get more of that to start movement, to shift the defense, and then get the ball from side to side. Um, you know, and again, 
I know you can say this all you want, but until you do it in a game, it doesn't matter. But, you know, in practice, we have it. We have the movement, and then we get out in the game, and it's just not the same. So we have to carry that trust over that we practice with in-the-game action. And, you know, that's something that, again, I need to do a better job or players need to do a better job, and, and we have to have that because if you don't have the trust, uh, you know, you don't have a chance. And, we, you know, we do it for a good stretch and a good portion uh, but until we can do it for 40 minutes, you know, we're, we're not going to win many games. Two guys that, that are struggling with their jumper right now are Thor and Lat. Oh, and you, you know that. You, you probably had a time or two in your career where it just isn't dropping for you. What, what can you do to help, and what are you seeing from those guys right now? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing, Greg, is you, you just you have to have a game where you see it go in. And, you know, you can say all you want and practice all you want. Lat came in the next morning after the Michigan game, and he was in there two hours before the start of practice and, you know, put in a full two-hour workout where, you know, every time I looked down, he was making sh- making a shot. So it's just going to have to, you know, nobody works harder than that kid. I can promise you that. He's, he's back in the gym tonight uh, getting up shots, and, you know, he'll be the first guy in the gym tomorrow morning. But, you know, he just – he made six of them in practice today. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time. He's too good a shooter to continue to shoot the percentages uh, where he is right now. And Thor, same thing. He had a great preseason. He shot the ball very well for most of the year last year. Uh, but, again, to kind of – uh, you know, go out there and see it go in in a game. Uh, you know, that's usually what it takes is to have a game where you make three or four and you go four for five or five for eight, uh, you know, to get that thing going through and seeing it go through. It's just, it's very important for, you know, the mentality of a shooter. And you're right, I, I know a lot about struggles uh, from the three-point line. And, you know, you just, you work, you, you know, you pull your hair out when you have an open one and it doesn't go in, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to find a way to get that confidence. The thing that I thought with Lat, um, you know, he had two layups in the, uh, I believe in the Wisconsin game, he had two great takes of the basket. Sometimes that's what it takes is getting an easy one. And he made two of them and unfortunately, you know, couldn't knock down his threes that game. So, you know, it, it's, again, he's, he's too good a shooter. Thor's too good a shooter for those percentages to stay where they are. Uh, and I'm confident that that, uh, that both of their strokes will come, and, and hopefully it comes soon. Back on our text line, Justin in West Point says, Coach, it's great seeing Teddy Allen come back home and play for the Huskers. Love watching he and Delano play together. They're going to be a dynamite tandem for us moving forward. It's got to be fun for Teddy Allen, playing up in Boys Town in Omaha, the state Gatorade player of the year, his senior year, and now he's wearing the end. It's got to be, that's gotta be a cool thing for Teddy. Yeah, he, you know, and he's so talented. He, he just, you know, Teddy, the nickname, you know, couldn't be more perfect for him. Teddy Buckets is, is what he got at an early age when he was playing AAU basketball. And, you know, he just, he has a knack for scoring the ball. And you saw it, uh, you know, in full effect in that first half against Michigan the other night when he had 21 in the first half and did it from so many different ways. We posted him, he, uh, got it as a ball handler facilitating offense uh, obviously he had his three ball going and you know he's one of those true three level scorers that can get it done from all over the floor so you know and again I, I thought early on he did get a lot of those points in the flow of the offense and you know he just it, it is you know to answer your question I, I he's loving it uh, he's so competitive he's ultra competitive he loves to practice and you know when you've got a guy like that with that type of ability to practice as hard as he does everybody else follows suit 
And, uh, you know, again, he's uh, early on, he had some steals. He's getting himself out of position at times on that end. But we watch film together pretty much after not only every game, but every practice and, you know, how he can improve on that end. But, you know, as far as going out there and putting the ball in the hoop, he's averaging over 18 points, over 20 uh, against ranked opponents. It's almost, the, you know, the bigger the game, the, you know, the, 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 the more, uh, you know, the easier it is, it is for him to score it. But, you know, I just love everything about the kid as far as his competitive nature and his spirit. And he loves to play and he loves the game. Uh, and all of our guys do, Greg. It, it's a group I've talked a lot about that they have an unbelievable care factor. And, you know, they want as much as anybody to get over the hump on these games. They certainly see what we're capable of. Uh, and they want to win. They want to win for themselves. They want to win for the fans. They, you know, they want to win for everybody that's supporting us uh, right now. And, you know, we're going to get there. And it's just, uh, you know, hopefully we, we can get that started here against Ohio State and get on a little bit of a roll because I certainly think we're capable of doing that. You mentioned defense. Did you like what you got out of your zone the other night against Michigan? I thought we had some good possessions in our zone. Uh, you know, we're doing a little bit different this year. We're, we're matching up a little bit more uh, out of it. We have a couple different ones that we put in. You know, when we have certain lineups out there that has length, uh, you know, that can give you some, uh, you know, effectiveness in, in, in the in the zone defense. And, uh, you know, I did. I, I liked a couple things that we did, um, you know, against Wisconsin as well. Unfortunately, uh, is it, on a baseline out of bounds play, they ran Davis into the corner, which is a huge shot after they called the timeout, uh, you know, later in, 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 in that game. So it has. It's given us some good possessions, and, you know, we're going to continue to sprinkle it in. Back to our text line, Coach. What's the difference in playing styles between the Big 12 and the Big 10? Yeah, a good question. The Big 12 overall is a faster league. Um, you know, you just look up and down that league, that conference, and, and teams uh, generally are, are some of the higher-paced teams in the country. Uh, Big 10 is playing faster this year. You look at Northwestern's numbers, they are way up uh, from where they were a year ago. Michigan State obviously has always played fast. Iowa, what they're doing with their offensive efficiency numbers and their pace uh, is off the charts right now. Uh, you know, we certainly play that style as well. So, you know, you're seeing that. You're, you're seeing, uh, you know, even Wisconsin's playing uh, faster than, than they have in the past. So, uh, you know, but overall styles, I would say the Big 12 is a faster league, but, you know, the Big 10 is uh, it, it does have some faster teams than they, they've historically had in the past. Probably different, more wide range of styles that you have to defend in this league. Wouldn't that be accurate? Yeah, play play through the bigs uh, more in, yeah. in this league yeah. as well. Um, you know, some of the obviously best bigs in the league, uh, you know, the best big in the league with Garza, uh, you know, Johnson certainly from Rutgers, you know, the two bigs, Potter and Reavers at Wisconsin. Uh, you look at Wisconsin, or, uh, sorry, Minnesota, uh, you know, the big they got that transferred in from Drake is a really, really good quality player. Uh, Michigan State with Hauser. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you see it, you know, Michigan, their freshman is an absolute stud. I think that kid's going to be special. So, you know, the, the, you do see play more through the post in the Big Ten for sure. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat has taken the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. 
from the 39 in Dallas. Here's a short throw down the middle, caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the cat running the other way, and so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25, near the 24-yard line. They've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. Now a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. Let's check out the highlights. Steven Jackson's David. Reggie Miller's looking good. He shoots a three, and it's good. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. It's the Weekend Rewind with Tim Curran. That's right, and what a weekend it was. Uh, even with a lot of the sports ball action taking place on Christmas Day of Friday, uh, I cleaved Christmas out of my, my rewind. But even that said, a packed Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but we'll begin with college football bowl game action. And uh, this was a, a beautiful, beautiful start here to the rewind. The FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl uh, saw Liberty come out on top ahead of previously undefeated Coastal Carolina in an ending one can only really describe as pure insanity. Two-yard field goal attempt from the right hash. Massimo Biscardi. Kick was blocked and Liberty's going to win it. The Flames find a way in overtime and Hugh Freeze celebrates. That, that field goal was only the half of it. Liberty had just to kneel down in regulation uh, to try to kick the game-winning field goal, but they awkwardly tried to score it. They fumbled on the goal line, uh, allowing Coastal Carolina to get some life, but they blocked Coastal Carolina's field goal attempted overtime. And then, of course, you heard the highlight there, Liberty kicking the game winner uh, to win it. Uh, Greg, can you make heads or tails of this game? Because this was insane. I was watching it, too. Um one, why hand it off? Why, just instruct your right. quarterback to go to a knee. Don't do. Don't even do a handoff. The running back was trying to stop himself. He had some goofball teammate who helped push him in the end zone. It was crazy. And then he fumbled it because he was trying to put the brakes on and not go in the end zone. It was a crazy finish. I was kind of pulling for Liberty because I didn't really want Coastal to be undefeated and try to claim a part of a national championship. I don't know if you were one of the guys, Tim, that was hoping to see Coastal get into the playoff. They're not a playoff team. Great season. Heck of a team. But, you know, you put them in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten, they lose three or four games. Good, solid team, but nowhere near a championship caliber team. Right, and this bowl game uh, bore that out. I mean, they were gifted yeah. another a chance at life. Uh, right. They got the field goal blocked. Sorry. Sorry, Coastal Carolina. The Mullets, yep. uh, big L uh, for them. Uh, the other bowl games, uh, the first responder bowl, it was number 19, Louisiana, taking down UTSA 31-24. to And then the lending tree bowl, Georgia State, uh, defeating Western Kentucky 39-21. to uh, Big day for college hoops as well on Saturday. Number 18, Illinois. How about them taking on the Hoosiers? And it was the Fighting Illini that came out on top. 52-49 Illinois. Dosumu crossover on Finnessy. Finnessy pokes it away. Io gets loose. Fires a three as the shot clock expires. And he knocks it down from out top. Yeah, Dosumu had 30 points on the day. Not a bad effort. Uh, Illinois now 3-1 in Big Ten play. While the Hoosiers dropped to 0-2. Uh, Greg, is that seat starting to get a little hot for uh, Archie Miller? Or am I overreacting? No, I. you know, I, he... I just don't know that he is good enough to get them to where they want to be as a program, and they just can't seem to get over a hump. And they, honestly, they're kind of boring to watch, to be honest with you. They don't shoot the three very well. They try to pound it inside. They play pretty good defense. But I'm not sure they're much more than a middle-of-the-pack team in this league right now. 
Yeah, uh, they're a blue blood basketball program, but they ain't playing like one, and they really haven't, nope. frankly, since Archie's been there. Uh, also in the Big Ten, number 23, Ohio State squared off with the fighting Reese Davises of the hardwood in Northwestern, uh, but it was the Wildcats who got the last slap. D's top of the circle. On D's, the left point gives it up Boo Booey. Booey had a screen, couldn't use it, shoots a three from the left point. Boo Booey, oh bullseye. My. Nothing but the courts. 14 for Boo Booey, and it's 71-68 Northwestern with 57 seconds to play in the game. Yep, that was the go-ahead bucket that sealed the deal for Northwestern. And Greg, and just as everyone predicted, the Wildcats 3-0 and in the big. <laughs> Man, what a job Coach Collins has done. It's early, long way to go. We'll see if they can sustain this, but they've had a couple impressive wins to start this year up. No doubt about that. Uh, speaking of impressive teams, uh, number one Gonzaga facing off with uh, technically still the defending champions, Virginia, and the Zags. They had their dominance on full display. Here's Kispert one more time. Oh, my goodness. Might have been even deeper that time, and he knocks it down as he hits the floor. Kispert putting on a show. Kispert scoring 32 points, uh, nine of those three-pointers. Not a bad effort. Uh, is anyone going to beat Gonzaga this year, Greg? Because I, I don't see it. Uh, I think they are cut above everybody in the country right now. But, again, long way to go. An injury here or there, and I know – uh, the talented freshman's not playing tonight. Not going to matter. They're playing Northern Arizona. But long way to go. But right now, they are clearly the best team in the country. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, get your get your brackets ready. I think you can probably safely pencil in Gonzaga to go pretty pretty far in the uh, tournament. Uh, also rounding out the weekend in hoops, it was number six Houston who beat UCF 63-54. to And that'll bring us on to NFL's Saturday slate. Uh, and did I hear anyone to mention Tampa Bay? It was the Buccaneers winning in style on Sunday <laughs> against the Lions. Receivers to both sides, an extra tight end on the left edge. Brady looks, looks, fires a shot toward the zone. It's caught, caught, touchdown Tampa Bay. It is caught by Antonio Brown, a defender on him. He's got a touchdown grabbing two games in a row now. And the Buccaneers lead 33 to nothing. There you go, TB12 finding uh, his... Antonio Brown, uh, of course, he wanted to hook up with him in the, in the, with Patriots, but that uh, did not go as planned, obviously, with some uh, off-the-field issues with Antonio Brown. Uh, but how about that? A franchise record for Tom Terrific. Four touchdowns in the first half. Uh, not bad at all. And now Tampa set to make the playoffs for the first time since 2007. Tom Terrific uh, getting get his AARP card next week, but he's still setting the league on fire. Greg, I'm sure it warms your heart. And a playoff appearance coming up for Levante David and Indomitian Sue. Good for them. How about another year and another snub for Levante David Ugh. to make the Pro Bowl? Can't he can't get in there? It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, with Levante David. Uh, I just do people not watch the Buccaneers, I, yeah, especially with Tom to. there. I, it's it's unbelievable to me how undervalued he is year in and year out. Um, I I can't really explain it. Um, I, I don't know what to think. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, the 49ers beat Arizona 20-12. to San Fran had to rely on C.J. Beathard for the dub. Uh, while Kyler Murray struggled a bit, no touchdowns, one INT. Arizona still a decent shot, though, at making the playoffs. They'll just need to beat the Rams in Week 17. Uh, heading next to the Dolphins and the Raiders. And, boy, this one might just have that Coastal Carolina Liberty fiasco beat. Uh, long story short, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or if you prefer Ryan Fitzmagic, he got kind of raked across the face uh, with a face mask penalty, and he still managed to complete a 34-yard uh, pass to his wideout. That plus a 15-yard penalty set up the game-winning field goal uh, as Miami took the dub 26 
to 25. Now the Dolphins might uh, might just sneak into the playoffs. All they need now is a win over the Bills or loss from the Ravens, Browns, or Colts. Did you catch any of that uh, insanity from I did. Sunday or Saturday? I was, I was flipping back and forth between the Liberty-Coastal Carolina game and that, and I I saw the Raiders kick the field goal, and I, I agree with the Raiders draining the clock. I thought, this is smart. Uh, because they were they were down what one so put them up two, and they were only going to give them 19 seconds. But when you have a defender do what he did, and that's the roughing the passer call, that that changed the whole thing. Raiders, you do that something that dumb, you don't deserve to win. Right, right. Well, if it's magic, I'm I'm happy for him. I know it was uh, ugly seeing him get benched and how emotionally was it for that, and now pulling off that that kind of magic and, trick there. And Tim, how about the courage of the coach Flores to go to him? I mean, you make right. you're in a, you're in the playoff hunt, and you make a quarterback switch in like I think it was early fourth quarter, late third quarter. He made that. That takes some guts to do that as a coach. Good for him. Yeah, uh, Miami. Uh, yeah, might just might just be able to sneak in there. So are the Bills, uh, and then of course America's team, the beloved New England Patriots. Uh, uh, they will not be. They'll be at home uh, <laughs> during the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure people are pretty beat up about that. Uh, that takes us now to Sunday. Chiefs getting a big, big break against Atlanta as the Falcons dropped an INT in the end zone, giving Patrick Mahomes an opportunity to sling one into the end zone, and uh, he didn't miss his opportunity. Mahomes throws for the end zone, the pass caught, wide open, touchdown! Kansas City, Demarcus Robinson on a deep post. And finally Mahomes releases deep, had a shot, he took it, and the Chiefs regained the lead. Uh, my beloved fancy kicker, Young Way Koo, also missing a 39-yard field goal. That would have tied the game up with uh, nine seconds left. Uh, but, but what can you do? KC getting their first run by uh, and home field advantage in the playoffs as well. Uh, Greg, is it too soon to just give them the Lombardi trophy? Because I'm, sure. I'm not ready to watch them just march oh, yeah. down. And- they're still, I mean, they're going to have to win two games. Yeah, absolutely. It's too soon to do that. And didn't that just kind of sum up Atlanta's year, Tim? Oh. I mean, all the debacles they've had, blowing leads, and then you miss a very makeable field goal. Chu had made, I think, or Koo had made like 21 straight before that miss. I mean, it's just, it's been that kind of year for Atlanta. Right, that that Dallas game uh, comes to mind oh, earlier in the year. With uh, recapping that insanity was was insane. Yeah, they, they might uh, give the uh, the Cubs a run for their money in terms of uh, cursed franchises. Of course, Cubs broke that, but uh, nevertheless, uh, well, the the take for Trevor movement uh, by the Jets uh, took a pretty significant blow yesterday as New York eked out a victory over the Browns, twenty three sixteen, in a game that uh, probably made Jacksonville fans pretty happy. I mean, Gase, if, come on, man, if you're gonna suck, you got to commit to it. Uh, meaningless wins won't help you now. Um, I, I saw a discussion on Twitter, Greg. Um, I, I think it might have been even Sam McEwen tweet this out of the World Herald. Uh, are you, Greg, if you're a GM, uh, are you convinced Lawrence is your guy or would you be willing to take a chance on a Kyle Trask or a Justin Fields or another QB out there? Is Lawrence the clear number one or is there someone else out for you in the college landscape that you think is better? No, I think he's the clear one. I think Trask could be a good NFL quarterback too, but I, I think Lawrence has proven and – the mental toughness, the makeup of all that. I, I think Lawrence is clearly the number one guy. I, I don't know that it's all that debatable. Right. That's yeah. I think that's where I'm at as well. Trevor Lawrence is just such a physical specimen. Yeah. Um, you know, guy's pretty magical. Um, moving on to uh, the Steelers-Colts game. This is one going to make uh, producer Austin pretty happy. <laughs> it was uh, Big Ben able to rally back Pittsburgh from a 24-7 to deficit. Did we uh, lose Tim? Did back t- Tim's the... mic been cut off? Did we lose Tim? Is he gone? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. But it was, uh, it was Big Ben uh, rallying back the troops uh, on Sunday.
Penn stays in the gun. Shotgun snap. He pops. Throws it down the middle of the field. That's Juju Smith-Schuster pulling it in for the Steelers. Go-ahead touchdown. From 25 out, Ben threw a strike, and Juju took care of the rest. Yeah, I appreciate Austin playing that highlight. I know that that kind of hurt him. Uh, Roethlisberger throwing three touchdown passes to help defeat Indianapolis, handing you know Austin a, a devastating blow. But the Colts, they're still in the hunt. You know, they, they only need to beat the Jags, and that's probably not really much of a tall task. Um, well, and then they need a loss from either one of the Titans, Browns, or Dolphins. So yeah, uh, we'll see. The Colts did lose to the Jags Week One this year. So they That's right, they did. In yeah, seven years, but they're you know, the only win for Jacksonville, aren't they? Yeah, opening week against the Colts, but <laughs> this one, this one hurt me. You get up seventeen, then you lose Kari Willis, who was a stud on the back end out of Michigan State to a concussion that hurt, and down your your two starting tackles, Anthony Costanzo and Braden Smith, both out against the the best front in the league. That defensive line, absolutely menacing. So. Man, that, that's a tough one to swallow going up 17, but you knew it was going to be a, be a dogfight going in. It, Colts are still in pretty good position for a playoff seat, but this would have all but wrapped it up. No, don't 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 uh, don't take it too personally. Uh, you know, I'm sure Philip will have has something else up his sleeve, and he'll he'll drag the Colts across the finish line. But uh, we shall see. Other NFL action: uh, the Bears cruise past Jacksonville, 41 to 17. Good for Mitch. Uh, Ravens taking down the Giants, 27 to 13. Uh, how about the Bengals getting their fourth win of the year by taking down Houston, 37 to 31? Really. Uh, uh, rooting for Zach in that one. You know, I was kind of worried watching Cincinnati <laughs> this year kind of struggle through. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, things could be looking up for uh, uh, Cincinnati and the, and the Bengals, especially once they get Joe back, uh, seeing his rehab uh, work out. So uh, Bolts came out on top over Denver 19 to 16. Drew Locke's last second Hail Mary got picked off, more of a fail Mary. Uh, and then we turn our attention now to the NFC East. Uh, things are still looking uh, not good. Uh, to put it mildly, the Washington football team lost to the Panthers 20-13. Dwayne Haskins uh, getting cut today uh, pretty rough. Uh, the Cowboys, they beat the Eagles 37-17. to uh, So Washington just needs to beat Philly to clinch the playoff spot. Uh, if not, it's going to be the Dallas Giants matchup that will decide it. Either way, Greg, get this. A sub-500 team is going to make the playoffs for only the second time since the merger uh, way like back it. in the 60s. Yeah, Don't like it. I don't like you- it. I don't like it either, but can you guess the other two teams, Greg, that, uh, um, that made it, eaten in? They're relatively recent. It's not you don't have to dig I know. way back There's into somebody, the Yeah, somebody just within the last year or two got in there, uh, I, I, but I, I don't know who it is. It's a twenty. Yeah, the twenty fourteen Panthers and the two thousand seven Seahawks. Okay. So not ancient history, but right. Uh, yeah, that I don't like only it, only. Only two other teams, yeah. You know the NFC East. You know you're just they're they're going to get bounced uh, early. Who whether that's the Washington football team uh, or Dallas Giants team. Washington doesn't even know who their QB is going to be now, so uh, that that should pretty much say it all. Um, and then finishing out uh, NFL action here, the Seahawks uh, they beat the Rams twenty to nine. They clinched the NFC West, uh, and the Packers crushed the Titans. 40 to 14, putting Green Bay just one win away from clinching the top spot in the NFC. They'll probably do that uh, in Week 17. Uh, the only other thing, Greg, uh, NBA, and uh, I will be honest, uh, it's a little too early for for NBA until football uh, gets wrapped up. I don't really tune into the NBA. I don't know if that is that a is that an okay no. philosophy? Or? Yeah, th- that's fine. I mean, they have such a long way to go, and I think a lot of people were able to probably catch some games on Christmas Day along with those Big Ten games. But yeah, it's a 
It's a, we'll have plenty of time for the NBA in these segments yeah. in the months to come. Marathon, not a sprint, but that'll yep. that'll do it for the rewind. Very good. Well done. I think that was award winning. No, we'll tell, appreciate we'll it. Tell, we'll tell Ben that it was. <laughs> That's right. No need to come back, Ben. I, I got it yeah. covered. Yeah, there you go. While college football is still up and cranking, a chance to check in again with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com, who had me just rolling late Saturday night. You were as flummoxed as ever, but anybody uh, I saw with the end of the Liberty Coastal Carolina game. Wasn't that maddening to watch, Adam? Yeah, it was, Greg. And I, I, I just get frustrated because, um, there's a way to manage the end of the game, and it just I know that these are college <laughs> players. They're not professionals, but that was just such a simple uh, thing to execute, honestly, to give yourself, I thought, the best chance to win, which was with a short chip shot field goal with no time left on the clock. And just to see Liberty, you know, play right into the hands of Coastal Carolina, and, you know, it nearly uh, came back to haunt them. It was just disappointing. I mean, again, you, you just have to execute that better in that situation. It didn't cost them the game, but it nearly did. Don't even hand the ball off. Just tell your quarterback, take a knee twice, and we're going to bring the field goal unit and win this thing. It's so simple. I just don't know why. But you see it time and time again. Coaches botched that. Speaking of frustrating, I bet the Iowa Hawkeyes are frustrated, Adam, with the, the cancellation of the Music City Bowl. What, what happened with all that? Sure. Well, you know, Missouri has sort of been dealing with um, some COVID issues since uh, its last regular season game against Mississippi State, although their numbers didn't appear that bad. And then once they came back from their break, um, it, you know, it just got it just got pretty pretty bad pretty quickly with both the players and the staff. It sort of spiked over the course of a couple of days. Now, I was told that Missouri did keep Iowa in the loop, uh, you know, kind of after Christmas. Uh, but by Sunday, it became um, very difficult to uh, to have that game go forward. So, uh, unfortunately, Iowa, you know, there's really nobody else to, to replace um, uh, Missouri at this point. Uh, no, no other opponents available. All the other bowl games, that, at least right now, are going on. So that, unfortunately, meant the end of the Hawkeye season. And, you know, they, they'd won six in a row. They'd, they're playing as well as – uh, any team in the country, I really wanted to see them in a better bowl game against a better opponent than Missouri. But, you know, the way it worked out with only one Big Ten team in the New Year's Six, you know, that's where they were slotted. So, um, you know, just, just uh, you know, again, good season for Iowa, but disappointing uh, how it ended. And I, I really think Iowa is at a point now where they should be making the Big Ten championship game more often. And we'll see if they can do that next year. They certainly should have a good opportunity with the, the team they have coming back. Yeah, I, I was really disappointed that the Big Ten didn't get more than one team in the New Year's Six. And if you go by Dabo Sweeney, Ohio State should have been one of the last teams to get in because he has a number 11 on his ballot, and he's not apologizing for it at all. What do you make of Dabo's comments? Yeah, I mean, listen, Dabo is uh, is at a point where he doesn't have to apologize for anything that he says because he's won a couple of national titles. Now, his big point is that, it doesn't matter if it was, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers or the Seattle Seahawks. If they played, you know, six games, uh, you know, and, and everybody else is playing 10 or 11, he wasn't going to put them in the top 10. So, you know, he was saying it wasn't about Ohio State, but more about the fact that, that, that you know, teams played more games and, and had more opportunities to, to lose games, which is true. But I also think if you study Ohio State, um, they weren't going to lose very many games, even if they played four or five more. That just doesn't happen very often. So, um, you know, again, I, Dabo is certainly entitled to his view. I disagree with it. And, uh, you know, he knows that Ohio State's using that as, uh, as incentive, even though they don't need much more incentive after last year's game, losing to this same Clemson team in the semifinals. 
Yeah, it was a tremendous game a year ago, and I really felt like the, the Buckeyes were going to win that game, and then, the, then the, uh, the targeting call seemed to switch the momentum of that game. How, how do you think – are we going to see a similar game when those two take the field? Well, it'll be interesting because uh, you know you, you look at both of them in the uh, in the big, in their respective championship games, and Clemson was a lot more impressive. And so, you know, the thing with Ohio State is that they should be a little more whole as far as their roster, especially getting a guy like Chris Olave back to help Justin Fields, who wasn't very sharp against Northwestern. You know, he did he did say his his hand injury or thumb injury you know, shouldn't affect him against uh, Clemson, but he's going to have to be like the Justin Fields we saw early this season and really all of last season uh, for Ohio State to be in this game because you know Trevor Lawrence wants it, Travis Etienne wants it, they want another national title, and um, and if they play like they did in the ACC championship game, really as a team, uh, Clemson's going to be very, very hard for the Buckeyes to beat. Again, visiting with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He co- covers college football here on Sports Nightly. All right, what about some other matchups that have your attention as we get into a, a fairly busy bowl week? The first Power 5 matchups are tomorrow. What, 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 uh, what games have your attention? Yeah, I mean, I want to get excited for Oklahoma-Florida, Greg, but yeah. you know, Florida just had about six guys opted out, yeah. and including their entire receiving core today. So, uh, And I, I guess there's a report that uh, Marco Wilson and – of the infamous shoe throw is, is also going to be out for Florida. And so, you know, they're, they're, you know Oklahoma, I, I picked Oklahoma to win, kind of assuming this is going to happen. And uh, I think Oklahoma will win, but we'll see how that one goes. I, I am excited for, for, uh, for you know, a game like Texas A&M and North Carolina over the weekend, although North Carolina is also a team that's dealing with some key opt-outs on offense and A&M's playing really well uh, on defense. And so, you know, that, that, that we'll see how that one goes. Um, you know, I'm excited for Indiana to get an opportunity to finish the season strong. I really thought they should have been in the New Year's Six Bowl, and they weren't. Um, and, uh, and we'll see how, how they can do against Lane Kiffin's team. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, you know even though I, I, this, the matchup isn't that sexy, I, I like the Iowa State-Oregon game just in the sense of, um, you know, Oregon you know, kind of found a way to win the Pac-12 championship. And, and Iowa State's been a team with some signature wins on its resume. You have two quarterbacks from the state of Arizona – in, in Brock Purdy and Tyler Shuck that are playing in the Fiesta Bowl. So it's kind of a nice storyline there. So, um, again, this is not the greatest bowl season in the world. It, it's, it's, at, it's at the end of a year that I think most people just want to have over with. But hopefully there'll be some drama. I mean, that, 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 that uh, Liberty Coastal game right, right now has been the highlight of the bowl season. Yeah, no doubt. Also, it's, it's, we're, still, we're coming toward the end of, of the coaching carousel. It's starting to slow down a little bit. Auburn made an interesting hire going out to Boise to grab that get coach what what'd you make of auburn's process and their eventual hire yeah it was, it was really interesting i mean there were certainly some internal uh movements for for kevin Steele, who, who was a defensive coordinator there and he'll be the interim coach for auburn in the citrus bowl on, on friday against northwestern uh but ultimately uh, alan green who's an outsider himself their athletic director i think their their president really wanted a, a full search and and i think it's really interesting to bring in a guy like brian harson who you know record wise has been exceptional has turned down power five jobs before but is essentially an outsider he's never worked in the in the sec you know he, he was in arkansas for arkansas state for a year as the head coach he was in texas for a couple of years as the Longhorns offensive coordinator, but um, but has really you know completely foreign to this territory. So, what type of staff is he going to put together? You know, can he compete with Nick Saban? You know, can they create a more consistent offensive vision there, which kind of faded towards the end under Gus Malzahn? 
I'm really interested to see if this experiment will work. A lot of people don't think it will, but I think, uh, you know, it, it has a chance to work because I, I respect what, what, what Brian Harson has done as a head coach. And I think he'll, he'll have a really interesting plan there to try to have Auburn competitive in a division that right now seems to be trending much more towards both Alabama and Texas A&M. I don't think either of those teams are going anywhere. No, probably not. All right, Adam, great to catch up. Enjoy the, the games this week. It's still bowl week. It's still kind of fun. I know it's a little odd, and you're right, and some of the matchups aren't real sexy, but, hey, it's still college football that we get to watch and cover, right? Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take every single one of these games and, uh, and then hopefully spinning forward to a much more normalized 2021. So thanks as always, Greg. I'll talk to you, you soon. Bet. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Time for this week's weekend winners. Tim, lead us off. Well, I mentioned him during the rewind, uh, but but Tampa Tom, a guy who just doesn't get enough uh, mentioned on the show, uh, real got a chip on his shoulder, uh, setting a franchise record with four first-half TDs and also helping the Bucks make their first playoff appearance since 2007. Whatever you think about Tampa Bay, Tampa Tom, uh, that's been a success. Uh, never, you know, They had some bumps in the road, but uh, good for Tom Brady. Can they make a run, do you think? I don't think so. I think they're too inconsistent. No? Um, you know, they have the talent to be sure. And I think with AB, as much as I'm not a fan of his, um, you know, he adds a lot to that team offensively, but, um, and also in defense, talking about Levante David and Dominican Sue and others, um, they are a talented team. But again, I've, I've just seen them come up short so often in the regular season where they come out really flat. I, I get kind of nervous about saying they're going to make a run. Even if they flame out, though, they've had a tremendous season. Yeah, they have. Austin. Well, first of all, aren't, they the, aren't the inconsistent teams the one you have, you have to look for to make a run if they get hot at the right time? I don't know. There might be a chance. But my weekend winner comes from the National Basketball Association. The Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant combined for 66 points in their returns from various injuries. A whole lot of questions surrounding the Nets with those two magnanimous personalities in Irving and Durant. Karis LeVert talked about a lot in aging DeAndre Jordan. They look really good, though, in whooping up on the Celtics. They won at 23-95 opening night win. I'm sure there will be questions about them throughout the years, but that's a heck of a way to start out that uh, 7-11 era in the Brooklyn Borough. I missed Kevin Durant. How could you not? Yeah, I mean, you just you miss a great talent like that not playing. All right, who is your favorite in the NFC right now? Who are we picking? Oh, psh, probably be Green Bay, that's a boring pick. Yeah. Maybe Seattle. I, I think Green, Green Bay, Bay. With the way Rodgers is slinging it. They might need another weapon outside, but with Jones, Rodgers, and Adams, that's a pretty tough troika. Yeah, I'm with you. We're, uh, we're, we're boring because we're all picking the same team. Yeah. But, yeah, Green, Green Bay looks like the cream of the crop to me in the NFC. All right, my weekend winner, I'm going heavy Harden. James Harden coming back. Everybody's been making fun of this guy. What does he do the other night <laughs> against Portland? 44 with 17 assists. It's his 44th, 40 plus point scoring outing in the NBA in his NBA career that's the most in the modern era it's remarkable and he's carrying yeah. some extra LBs Tim he's carrying right. some extra LBs he's a hero to all of us who overindulged on Christmas having a few extra cookies and brownies so uh you know I'm all about uh people living their truth uh, so to speak with, their, with those extra pounds uh, I'm I, I'm all I'm all in it what a game. 44 against Portland on Sunday night. Uh, just amazing. He still sounds like he's going to get traded. We'll see what happens as uh, we get into January, whether they do end up trading him. If they do, they're going to need a boatload back uh, to take up for that. 